Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hello again, friends, and welcome to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. One more time, this is John Russell, and I'm here with my dear friend, Pastor Frank Friedman. And we are continuing with our series, which we are calling The Power of Story, in which we're inviting brothers and sisters in Christ to take a deeper look into their journey, into their lives as Christians, their experiences, their circumstances that drew them to Christ and that drew them to Christ as life. Frank, we have a guest here today, Mr. Zach Maldonado. Why don't you take a moment and introduce Zach to our listeners? That would be a pleasure. Uh, Zach, I think you and I first met, goodness, maybe eight or 10 years ago, I was speaking in Texas and I saw this young guy who was just a bowl full of energy running around with uh, life just seeming to emanate from him. And I thought, who is that guy? And somebody told me I was Zach Maldonado. And uh in a short conversation, found out that you had been given the privilege of discovering that Jesus was not only Lord and Savior, but life at a very young age. And I hope you know, my dear friend, what a privilege that was for you. I had to journey through many, many years (laughs) without that understanding. And since that time, you have uh, grown deep in him to the point where you now have a ministry you have some books out so uh we're going to try to find out a little bit more about your journey today zach it's great to have you with us well i'm so honored frank i mean uh this tells of your age a little bit but you're a hero of the faith already (laughs) and uh, the new covenant but nonetheless you're still making a huge impact and i know there's so many of my friends who, uh, you know, when you ask them who taught you the new covenant and it's Frank Friedman, it's Frank Friedman, it's Frank Friedman. So I think what people, uh, what I love about you, Frank, is that you're quietly and humbly reaching hundreds of thousands of people and doing it in your own unique way. And that's what we all love. So I'm honored to just be able to share with you all today. Did you hear that, John? my unique way <laughs> yeah i know i also heard the the other comments and you realize zach that you're making my life a little more difficult when you pump him up like that i would like to comment though that that i do agree with frank that it indeed is a, a tremendous privilege at least from my perspective that you would know christ's life from such a young age i took the approach that i kind of call the a pinball approach that I kind of bounced around life like a ball bounces around a pinball machine. Eventually I settled at the bottom, but boy, I hit every bumper, every flipper uh, on the way before I finally got there. So in a way uh, I'm kind of envious, but I bet my story is maybe a little different from yours. Yeah. I mean, so for me, I grew up in 
various denominations, but really I got saved. My entire family kind of went through a spiritual awakening, if you will, about the time I was 12. But there was a hundred different things happening around me. And I just went full on throttle into legalism. And, you know, I, my whole family, we're a pretty athletic family. And so sports was our thing. Well, I just thought Jesus was the same. I thought you worked hard. I thought if it wasn't, if you weren't working out, if it wasn't, if if you couldn't feel him or if you weren't getting the results, you just worked harder. Um, You put in more time, you put in more effort. And so that was my experience uh, as a middle schooler. I was, I mean, literally I was the guy who was memorizing the scripture. I had the little cards in my wallet that I was memorizing every day. I was the youth leader. I was going to the camps. I was trying to make things work. I even with my youth pastor, he would pick me up after my baseball games and I'd go stay the night with his family. And we would literally study the scripture. We had this Paul Timothy study. I don't even know if it's around anymore, which we would do for three or four hours, you know, every Saturday night. And so, I mean, I was that guy and that was, that was our experience. And it was, it was never enough. It was always rededicate and fail and then try a little bit harder. And it was always, a, it was always fear-based and it was always threatening. And I thought that God was always angry at me and that he just wanted me to serve him and work for him. And I could never fulfill the conditional ifs. And um, there was always more to do and, and all these do's and don'ts. And, um, you know, it was, it was a circus act. And uh, eventually that just came to an end for me. Well, your, your story is common. I think Frank and I both can find elements of what you just said in our past. In fact, with most people with whom we speak, uh, but you started so early, Zach, and I'm sure that that helped build a foundation that, you know, Jesus eventually worked to begin to dismantle, but it laid a foundation that led you to, at a very young age, writing a couple of books, uh, starting a ministry, uh, working within the ministry that you that you are right now. So how did this early foundation really help you, move you, motivate you to write the books you did and to start the ministry that you have? So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. And so, you know, right after I kind of gave up on God, that was my freshman year of high school. And so I did the typical high school. I, I lived the double life where I partied and I was successful. I I was the the athlete. My twin, me and my twin sister, we were the athletes of the school, and 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 I made straight A's. And and so in one sense, everyone thought I was the goody good boy who made the A's, who was the team captain, and all that. But behind the scenes, I was miserable. I was literally asking God at night or whoever. And I was just thinking, what's wrong with me? Why is nothing fulfilling? Nothing I do, nothing the world gives me is enough. And that led me to my senior year of college. So I spent all of high or or high school. I'm sorry. I spent all of high school living that life. And eventually the spirit was just constantly working on me. And I said, you know, I, I, I thought I'd give him another chance. I thought I'd give God another chance. And I did. And through friends and through mentors, um, he revealed himself to me in a new way. And I remember, you know, reading Romans for the first time again and thinking, wow, I've never seen some of these passages. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, th- enter into college. And and as I'm doing that, um, meeting some of these people like Frank Friedman and Andrew Farley and, and Mike Daniel and 
um, some of these guys that we all love, uh, some of our friends. And as I begin to, to learn, wait a minute, I'm not defined by what I do. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. God's pleased with me. Christ is not just some person up there telling me what to do. He's in. Um, Jesus is not just a, a way to fix my circumstances. Jesus is my life, even when nothing makes sense. Um, so all of these truths that we love, that we hold, that, that the new covenant, it's not about me and what I do. It's not about my faithfulness and my promises and my obedience and my commitment and my dedication to God. It's all about Jesus and his promise and his faithfulness and what he's done. And what most people don't know is I met, so I'm at church without religion right now with Andrew Farley and I met Drew driving through town. I was going to speak and, and we grabbed coffee. And one, that's a miracle that I actually got to have coffee with him because the dude gets so many emails in a day. I mean, he's got thousands of unread emails and just because he gets so many and the fact that he saw mine and, and, and we got together and he basically offered me a job on the spot and uh, I came and that was January of 2016. Um, so I've been I've been at uh, Church Without Religion and, and with Andrew Farley for a uh, little over five years now. And and so that's just been an amazing experience. And so when I came here, I, I went to seminary. Uh, and right after that, I, I just decided, man, I, I, I love to write. I love to do this. And, and so for me, John and Frank, like there's so many hurting people. And man, it, it, in any way that I can encourage someone um, even with a little bit of my story and and show them the truth. And really it's books have a way of reaching people that other things can't do. And so really it's, it's a fun hobby for me. And, and I just love, love to do it. That's a pretty cool story. Now the, uh, the books that you've written, what kind of impact have they had? I mean, you, you've already given a pretty unique testimony about how your eyes have were opened to Christ's life at such a, a relatively young age and how you embraced it and changed your life. And now you want to give to others. And so what sort of feedback, what sort of impact, where have you seen Father use your voice, your unique voice as a young believer, speaking through your ministry and your books, where have you seen the greatest impact in the people who, uh, who have listened to you? Yeah, before before I go there, because you know I want to speak to to those listening, because because I know Frank, you 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 go through this, and I know every everyone goes through this. I think when people see an author, <laughs> they think, "Oh my goodness, you are something." And it's like, no, I just am able to type some words out on a word document and put it into a book. But people think that they've ruined their usefulness to God, and I have to constantly remind people that no, you haven't. And people think that ministry is all about uh, a person on a stage or a person on a book or a person on a podcast, but more ministry is done outside of those things than will ever be done in a book. So uh, anyone who's listening to this that just feels like, oh, I'm not a speaker, I'm not an author, I'm not a this, 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 and it's like, man, God can use you in so many unique ways that that we don't even we don't even comprehend. And so I've been humbled. Um, God's God's used the cross work, which was my first book, and then my my second book, Perfect and Forgiven, both in unique ways, reaching unique peoples. I, I've been able to speak in churches that don't know us, that don't know me or Drew or Frank or, or some of the New Covenant voices. 
Um, but they picked up the book and they said, Zach, we like you. We, we like the message and will you come? So what's been interesting is some of the opportunities that I get are with younger pastors and with people who have never heard of what the new covenant is or the grace message, but they let me come in. They let me share with their people. And, and then now it's just been fun as people reach out to me and they're asking questions. And so, yeah, I mean, God's, God's really been using these and it's, it's just humbling because one of my insecurities have always been, I don't have a good voice or I don't, I'm not good enough or I'm not good as, as this person, even when you understand the new covenant, doesn't mean the struggles go away. And so that's something that I have to constantly go through is that, you know what, even if I only reach 10 people, God, let me see that that's good enough. Like, and so, um, and I think, you know, even, even with that, God, knowing that you have qualified me and you've made me adequate as a minister of the new covenant. So it's something you know, we talk about this message and how it impacts other people, but it keeps impacting me every single day that I wake up and that I have to minister because every day that I do a podcast or I do something, I have to remember the truth of my identity in Christ. Yeah, Zach, it's amazing. I I hear that same line from people everywhere I go. It's like, who am I to do this? Who am I to to have a, a ministry? Who can I reach? And they don't understand this incredible thought that the Apostle Paul never got over. God lived in him. And that's what qualifies anyone because wherever you put your foot, the Lord Jesus Christ is expressing himself through a unique you. And boy, if people can just lay hold of that, it's, it's not about having a great, massive impact. It's simply expressing his life to the people that are within your sphere of influence. And that will have a ripple effect as those lives then touch other lives who touch other lives. And so it's, it's a really incredible thing to release people to just be the unique expression of Jesus that they are and can be as they walk with faith in him. And, and that's so incredible. You know, as we look at our world today, we see so many examples and we elevate these examples of people who, who have built this or the CEO of that, or they've led this corporate restructuring and we tend to raise them up and mm. think, wow, they're so brilliant. They've got so many great ideas, but Jesus said, I will build my church. Mm. You know, Jesus is the, is the CEO. He's the COO. He's in charge. Yeah. And so the pressure is gone. And Zach, it's so, so exciting that you learned that in an early age, the pressure is gone. I can be John, the unique once in a lifetime, once in an eternity expression of Christ's life through me. So and good. you can do the same. And so that's, uh, that's exciting. I've been working on uh, jointly with Frank, a commentary on Galatians, more of a conversational type commentary. And I've spent a lot of time in the past few weeks looking at Apostle Peter and some of the challenges and struggles that he had, his fears, his insecurities, his denials of Jesus, his, 
falling on his face at the Antioch dinner table in Galatians chapter two. And father just steps in, picks him up, dusts him off. And then a little while later, Peter gets to write two books of the New Testament. And what does he talk about? He says, man, you guys are facing tons of trials. I know what that's like. And you can trust your God. You can trust your father in you because he's bigger than everything you're going to face. And uh, I just took such great encouragement from hearing that. Because if there, if there ever has been a person the church has lifted up as a good, bad example, it was Peter. And I looked at him and took tremendous inspiration because of uh, seeing what Father can do in the life of someone who just says, yes, sir. And I rejoice that you have learned to say yes, sir, at such an early age, Zach. So thank you for, for saying yes to our Father. Frank, you and Zach worked on a project recently, uh, sort of an old guard, young Turk view uh, of marriage relationships. In turn, tell us a little bit about that project, what led you to it, uh, what you learned from it. Frank, we'll start with you. Age first. Age first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, we were approached by Josh Gordon, who is kind of a... Uh, network guy among the people who teach the new covenant trying to hook them up together so that their ministries can build on each other and make both ministries have more impact in the lives of people so josh approached zach and i about uh, doing a thing on marriage uh, i'm coming from uh, almost 40 years of marriage and zach has got a year not quite a year under his belt and uh, so we had a really good time talking about uh, people's anticipations, people's uh, realities as those anticipations sometimes got shattered. And through it all, we sought to exalt Jesus as the one who can empower us, enable us, and cement us together through no matter what this fallen world throws at us. And it was a really special time, Zach, I'm hearing a lot of positive feedback. It was a real joy. Do you have any unique perspectives, Zach, that you've heard from people or your thoughts on this project? Well, like just for me, I was enjoying it more than I think anyone listening. I, I was getting so much out of it. That's, you know, uh, it sometimes it gets hard, you know, working a full-time job and doing all these other things and being married. You realize, oh, you don't have as much time to listen to other communicators as you wish you could. And and uh, it, it, it brought me back to why I love Frank and just Frank has such a unique gift of not only clarifying and simplifying difficult concepts, but also touching your heartstrings while he's doing it. And so I, I, that, I, I just so enjoyed listening and taking notes and going back and rewatching it. And, and, uh, and it, that was what was fun for me. And, and yeah, I mean, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't, yet checked it out it's on facebook it's on youtube it's on instagram on frank's and and my uh pages and so it really was and, and we got to speak i think to everyone in between not only the young young marrieds like i am right now but also the veterans but also those who were single and that's that's something that i i love that frank and i both were able to touch on that and what i always love to do is show people how the new covenant is practical and there's no better place than marriage where this new heart 
and this new identity and this radical acceptance and this unconditional love where all of those things start to come in is because that's where that's where it's lived out is is in marriage and so man it was so much fun i'm like frank when's the marriage book coming out <laughs> well we have discussed that on occasion and uh i guess it's it's in the queue isn't it frank well, I actually have the first draft written, but as we know from experience, that first draft uh, means you only got the car out of the garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, Zach, I'm curious uh, to, to hear some perspectives and insight from you at this early stage in your marriage. Uh, how has knowing Christ's life knowing that both you and your bride have been crucified and resurrected and have the Holy Spirit living through them and wanting to express himself through you at every moment, how has that made an impact in your dynamic so far? Oh, it's been huge. I mean, first off, I never realized I could be spiritually attracted to someone. And that's how it was. My, my wife's name is Grace. And so everyone listening to this is going to be like, no way. And I'm gonna be like, yes way. Or Yahweh. <laughs> that's a joke. But uh, oh, boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> look, it's early. Okay. Uh, <laughs> when we started dating, we noticed this was wow, the way that we communicate with each other. Already, it's just a shift because we, we, we come in knowing, okay, we're both complete in Christ. We're both accepted. We're both loved. And so we trust our motives. I think that's the big thing is like from the get go, we trust our motives, knowing that like she wants what's best for me and she knows that I want what's best for her. And so our communication always to, to me, it's always felt like I'm free to fail and I'm free. Um, like there's not this judgment. There's not this. Uh, there's just acceptance. There's just love. And, and both of y'all know, I mean, in marriage, there's insecurities, there's all these things, and you're going to have to have difficult conversations. And so that's a few things. And then I would just say, it makes it fun knowing you're on the same page. And if people have dated other people or, or whatever, and know, like, if the beliefs are different, maybe you don't realize it at first, but the spiritual beliefs affect everything. And the thing is, is if you only have some common hobbies or interests in, in person that can only get you so far. But when you understand Christ in you, Christ is life, the new covenant, I mean, it just enhances every single thing. And so John, I'm, I'm so blessed, Frank, I'm so blessed. Not only, you know, grace, my wife grew up with this message and then I, I started learning it at 18 and now we're starting our marriage with it. And so I'm just so thankful that, this is the foundation that we've started on. And, and I'm thankful that we don't have to know anything else. Wow. It's, uh, it's interesting to hear you talk, Zach, because my mind goes back to uh, what I call the wonder years of my marriage uh, to my, my bride, Terry, the years where I was wondering whether this is ever actually going to work or, or lead anywhere at times. And because of, as I said earlier, because of my pinball approach to life early on, some of those bumpers I hit involve women. And so I learned subconsciously at a very deep level to not trust women. 
And it took, oh my goodness, 11, 12 years of marriage, perhaps, before father began to show me that my real issue was that I didn't trust the woman he gave to be my wife. And it's been a journey ever since then, uh, but a tremendously freeing journey because when trust enters into a relationship like that, the guards can fall. Uh, you can be yourself. You are free to fail. And so it's, uh, I'm kind of jealous in a way, Zach, because <laughs> if, you know, you, you're beginning to learn this at, at an age where, man, I, I was still beating my head against the wall. So Praise Father for that. Frank, I know that you have struggled, uh, lived a kind of similar life with, uh, with learning things the hard way. Yes, sir. And I think that's a real key, John, is that we gain new beliefs in the new covenant. But we, a lot of us have some really ingrained, deep beliefs that we shouldn't believe. Uh, that are actually lies, lies mm. that are formed out of circumstance that uh, impacted our emotion. And then we made vows and belief systems out of those circumstances. And so part of the real sanctification process is unlearning what we should not have learned, unlearning what we don't want to have as a conviction. But once those walls come tumbling down, replaced by the truth of the glory of the new covenant, and that we stand complete in Christ so that Christ can live and express himself through us. We not only were resurrected, but we experience that resurrection life and life truly comes out of death. And I think that's our, all of our experience in the new covenant. And Zach, I am just so glad that you are out there heralding this to everyone who will listen. Freedom's on the way if we embrace by faith. Amen. And I just want to add one thing, because this is huge with just Grace and I and, and our marriage. I grew up in, and I experienced a number of different things, whether it was being exposed to porn at an early age or or going through some verbal abuse or, or different things, whether it was something I did or, or something that was done to me. All of that led to, like I said earlier, just always wondering what's wrong with me. There's something uniquely bad about me. And, and what I didn't realize was even after coming into the new covenant and, and being set free by so many different lies and things, there were still a lot of things in my past that I had stuffed down. And I'm very good at, and my wife can attest to this, at stuffing things down and, and not communicating about things that, that bother me or hurt me. And so I'm still learning how to do that even with other relationships. And one of the things with, with my wife, because I knew she knew Christ's life, she knew the new covenant, it gave me a safe place. And, and it allowed me not to just communicate, but to be vulnerable and to actually let her into spaces that I have myself barely have let myself into. And actually God has used my wife to heal me of some deep wounds that I've had that I didn't even realize were still there. Um, and I think that's one of the things that is hard for me. And I think a lot of men can attest to that being vulnerable and being real and opening up about our feelings and even opening up about past things that we thought 
were gone that really weren't, or even things that are happening that we just think are no big deal, but they play with us, you know, week in and week out. And being able to let our spouse in, and especially for me, let her into that, um, because no one else had been there except me and let her in and, and let Christ in her heal me. And, and it really is, I mean, I, I can't even put into words how thankful I am to my wife, but Christ for, for just allowing us to be able to be at that place. And it doesn't mean it's easy every time. And it doesn't mean it's, it gets any better, but I've, I've already experienced that. I probably would say that's the greatest thing about understanding Christ's life together as a couple. Listening to your talk, Zach, this thought comes to mind that when we, when we realize we need to open up to our spouse, we need first to open up to our father. We need to learn to trust him because if we trust him, and we allow him into these spaces, uh, the things we'd rather never think about ever again, the things we did that we wish we could wipe from our memories, uh, he begins to, to bring some healing and restoration. He begins to shake off the dust, is a phrase I like to use, uh, polish things up, show up the lies, point out the truth, bring deliverance. And when we begin to walk in that and trust him, then opening up to, to our spouse, to our friends, sometimes if uh, spirit leads to total strangers, it becomes a whole lot easier because you know that you're secure uh, in your relationship with your father in heaven. And that gives you strength and courage to be vulnerable, to be open and uh, to share your journey, because we have a world where vulnerability is, <laughs> frankly, not very common. Wow. Frank, you see that all the time in, in, uh, in your counseling situation, in your pastoring situation. Vulnerability is, a, is sometimes a rare commodity, especially among guys. Well, you know, I, I, I would put it this way. If I don't know that you're going to accept me i'm not going to be so honest with you and i think if we were just going to put in a in a nutshell when we know we're accepted then we become more vulnerable and i think the great ministry of the new covenant that we can give to others is that ministry of acceptance uh, we may not accept behavior, we may not accept belief systems, but we communicate to the individual, freely I receive, freely I'm going to give, I am accepted, I'm adequate, capable, made that way in Christ, and now I will freely give that to you, and boy, that removes fear. And with the fear gone, honesty, vulnerability, intimacy, all get built on top of that foundation of acceptance. So it's a great gift. Yes, indeed. Zach, we're kind of coming toward the end of our time together, but we still have a few moments. If you had a couple of key thoughts that you wanted to share with our listeners, what would they be? What were the 
what's the supreme revelation that you as a, as a young shepherd, a young teacher would like to leave with our listeners? What would they be? And please feel free to take the time you need and go where the spirit would lead you. Yeah, John, what a loaded question. We'll be here for two hours. So yes, buckle up. I understand. <laughs> no, I'll share three things just real quick. Two things, the two things that really rocked my world, rocked my boat at 18 when I started understanding the new covenant was this idea of the gift of righteousness. And it came from that passage that stunned by grace is based off of Romans 517. Um and then 2 Corinthians 5.21. So this gift of righteousness that God does not see me as a dirty, rotten sinner, that actually he's made me, not just sees me now, but he's made me into a righteous and holy child of God, that I'm not this bad, dirty, sinful person working my way, trying to be better, trying to get good, trying to get holy, whatever, that I'm the righteousness of God, that I'm enough, that I'm okay that God likes everything about me, that I'm adequate as a free gift. And there's nothing I can do to change that reality. There's nothing I can do to undo the fact that God has made me into this person, into this new person who's been crucified, buried, and raised to new life. So that, that was one thing. The other part that really rocked my world at 18, and, um, and I think this was just a lot about growing up and growing in the culture I was and being an athlete and all those different things. But when I realized that God was pleased with me, I'm still, I'm still shook. I'm still working through what that means for my life. 10 years later, eight years later, however many years it's been because God is pleased with me. I, I think of Jesus coming out of the Jordan. He, he hadn't performed a single miracle. He hadn't done any Jesus-y thing yet. He had just been a normal guy well, he was still fully God and fully man, but he hadn't performed anything in his ministry yet. He comes out of the water and the father shouts, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the same is true for us. The day one moment, one of salvation, before we ever do anything for God, before we ever do any good work or love any person or do anything, God says, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. Second Corinthians 2 says, we're the pleasing aroma to God. Literally, we smell good to him. I love that. <laughs> and and so the fact that that I'm pleasing to God apart from what I do, I mean, that's that that gives me acceptance, that gives me this sense of I can trust you, that I can run to you, that I don't have to perform, that I don't have to wear some fake uh, mask, that I don't have to uh, walk on eggshells around God, that I don't have to be guarded, that that he's pleased with me, that he loves, he loves and likes everything about me. He's pleased with me. And then 2015, I was wrestling with different questions from my students. I was a youth pastor at the time, and I was working through some theology. And, and as a young person, you're paralyzed by God's will. You're paralyzed by circumstances. And I had always, I mean, I had been teaching Christ as life, but it, it was in that moment when I recognized that I don't have to be healed. I don't have to be delivered. I don't have to have any circumstance go my way in order for me to experience the life and peace of God. That Christ is enough, that Christ is my peace, is my hope, is my life in the midst of all of this unlife, in the midst of all of this death, in the midst of all of these bad circumstances. 
Christ can be enough for me. And I don't need anything outside of me to work out in order for me to experience that, that Christ is enough that I don't have to go searching or seeking to try to fix things or make things work or or whatever, that I can literally enjoy the presence of Christ at any moment. And that he's not the author of any bad things that are happening to me, that he's working things for my good. But, but more than that, I think at that time in my life, I was so busy trying to, to do more and obey, even, even though knowing the new covenant to get God to do what I wanted him to do. And when I finally realized that he's my life and that everything is just merely the context in which I get to experience him as my life, that changed everything for me. It changed everything, knowing like bad things are going to happen, but Christ is still my life. Nothing's changing in that. I'm hidden with Christ. I'm protected by God. He's faithful even when I'm faithless. And the peace and life, the abundant life, is a person, and that's him in me at every moment. The peace and the abundant life and the hope is mine at all times. Think about it. Jesus is the best heaven has to offer. Jesus is the best thing God has to give to us, and he's given it to us fully in the person of Christ in us every single moment. And so if that is true, then I don't need anything else. I don't need whatever the world says I need. I have Christ. I have the best that the creator of this world has to give me, and he's given it to me fully, and he'll never revoke it and he'll never take it back, and he'll never leave me. And if we can begin learning what that really means, it's going to change everything for us. Indeed. I wrote down something you said. Bad things are going to happen, but God is still my life. Wow. What a powerful testimony. Zach, tell our listeners where they can find you uh, on social media. Where can they find your material and your stuff? Yeah. So uh, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've got a new podcast called the Daily Devotional Podcast. Um, I'm just Zach Maldonado or Zach Maldo. Uh, I've written two books, The Crossworked and Perfect and Forgiven. They're on Amazon as a Kindle and a paperback. And then they're on Audible as well as audiobook. And yeah, and I'm on YouTube as well. They can look me up there. So would love to connect with anyone. And yeah. Wow. Thanks, Zach. Frank, any last comments as we wrap this up this morning? I am proud of the Holy Spirit in Zach and uh, proud of the Zach expression of the Holy Spirit. What a wonder to see and uh, keep expressing life as you experience that life yourself, Zach, and uh, just go be Zach Maldonado. Thank you so much, Frank and John. And I I love you guys. And thank you, Frank, for just being a constant encouragement to me. I appreciate it. All right. Well, friends, thanks for listening today. You've joined this episode of the Our Resolute Hope podcast. Don't forget to check us out on our website, OurResoluteHope.com. Follow us on our different social media platforms. And remember, as always, today, choose hope, choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today, and you know that no matter what you're facing, He offers you Himself, His own life. He wants to live His life with you, in you, and through you as you trust Him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com. 
and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.